I'm Nicole McCants, a psychologist turned business coach for psychotherapists. It was not long ago when I was in solo private practice, seeing way too many clients feeling overwhelmed and burnt out. In 2016, when I became pregnant with twins, I knew I had to scale to a group practice because I couldn't keep working that much. I was sick of hitting the ceiling in my income and knew that the only way to make more money and help more people was expanding my practice. In three short years, I was able to scale it to 55 therapists and multiple seven figures. Once I was able to reach that goal, I had to take it to my peers. I'm here to teach you how to scale your solo practice to a group or take your group practice to the next level. We didn't learn anything about business in graduate school. So I created the Business Savvy Therapist podcast where I share easy to implement, business and marketing strategies so you can help more people, make more money, and have more freedom. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Business Savvy Therapist podcast. I'm so excited about today's episode. I'm going to dive into how I sold my clinic for multiple seven figures in just three years. I'm so excited about this episode because I know you can do the same and I'm a little obsessed with teaching you exactly what I did if you haven't noticed. So I'm going to start at the beginning. Let's rewind to 2018. What motivated me was, and I wonder if you relate, I, first of all, really feel like we are the lucky ones. I personally think, I mean, we're biased, but I really feel no job is better than helping another human and making a difference in another person's life. And I really felt like I was put on this earth to do that. And I did that for 15 years and I loved it. I would say I was good at it. You know, I was fully booked. I saw couples. I did EMDR, love EMDR. And this was my life. And I really felt that that was just what I was going to do. And then I became pregnant and I became pregnant with not one baby, but two. We found out that we're having twins, which was just magical. Like I, yeah, like how did my body even do that? But then my next thought was, oh my gosh, everything's going to double. Like we need a bigger house. We live in Toronto. How am I going to do this? I work until 7 p.m. every night. And that's when I started thinking about, okay, wait, what if I hire? Like, what if I could actually live a life where I work less? The thing was, there was no business coaches back then that I was aware of that was trailblazing, was showing the way to us therapists about business. And I always say we never learned. I didn't know a thing about business. I'd learned nothing in graduate school. So I did nothing. Fast forward, Jackson and Lucas are now two years old and mommy is still working every night until 7 p.m. And I just, oh, like it was hard. I felt so stuck. I would get home. My babies were waiting for me. They would spend one half an hour with me before bedtime because they went to bed, of course, really early because they were such young babies. There was just one night that I turned to my husband, Dan, and I said, I can't. I I have to hire. I'm just going to do it. So I just blindly started doing the things I thought I should do. And I know some of you are doing that, right? You're just like, okay, I guess uh, I'll put an Indeed post up. That sounds like that makes the most sense. And it was a lot of trial and error and a lot of, of wasted time, but it was kind of working and kind of not growing. And then one day somebody told me that they're working with a business coach. And I'm like, 
oh my gosh, what if I was to get a business coach? And that, please hear this, that is when everything changed. I had a group practice, but the first year I did not grow. I did not have a business coach. It's almost like, I have a sense you're going to relate to this. I was walking in a dark forest with all these paths around me and I had no idea what path to take. So I would just kind of roam around and it was so lonely and so scary because I truly knew I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm so glad that I finally got the business coach. Now, what I learned, my coach was not a therapist. That's the only downfall. I had many coaches. I went through a bunch. I learned a ton about business and then I applied it to my group practice. And lo and behold, it started growing. And one of the things I heard her say is she wished she would have increased her advertising budget earlier. So I was like, okay, so I need to invest in advertising. And I know most people won't invest what they need to because they're scared. So what if I invest in more advertising? Like I just move the fear away and do it anyway because I trust in the results and I trust in my coach. And as you know, I teach my members. And in this podcast, I tell you a little bit about Google Ads. But in my program, I have a very clear Google Ads formula because you need to set it up in a certain way or it doesn't always work. So fast forward, things are great. Things are booming. I now have 55 therapists in my practice. And to be honest, I didn't want to sell. It was automated. It was the largest clinic in Toronto. We had 24 rooms, 6,000 square feet. It was a dream. I was home a lot more with my kids. It was amazing. And then one day, I had a, a small business partner. She oversaw the neurofeedback. I brought her in because I didn't. I don't know much about neurofeedback. And she had sold her clinic in a different city in Ottawa, if you know Canada at all. And I'm in Toronto. And she said to me, this psychiatrist has an interest in purchasing the clinic, like in purchasing your Toronto clinic. But her next sentence was, but I'm not even going to go into it because I know you never want to sell. And I laughed and I was like, yeah, I'll never sell. We never talked about it. And then fast forward, she's sharing her experience in Ottawa. She's sharing that, oh my gosh, it's going really well. Like I think I'm actually going to sell it. So I watched her do that for one whole year. I watched her go through the whole process. I watched her get paid because that's the other thing. In the back of my head, I'm like, do, like, do they actually have the money? Can they actually do this? You know what I mean? You always wonder if it's if they actually are going to buy it. And she sold it. And then even a couple... And this was kind of what made the difference to me. A couple months later, she turned to me and said, it was the best decision I ever made. Everybody is happy. And they're even happier, which I'm going to get to in a second, because sometimes when somebody buys your clinic, they have more money and more resources to support your team than you do. And then I was like, okay. So she kind of brought up again, you know, they have an interest in buying the Toronto clinic. And I, again, was like, nope, we're on a mission. Like I'm on a growth phase. You never sell during a growth phase. Like that's a no. But here's what she told me. They were able to offer pension. I didn't have the cash flow for pension. They're a huge conglomerate. They had their own in-house HR people. They didn't only offer pensions. They also offered benefits to my whole team. They had like a process of when you are eligible, but also training funds. So the therapist got access to like an educational fund where they can invest in their education. And I remember thinking, wait, okay. 
if I sell, my life changes, my whole life changes because number one, you get a lump sum, you exit, you get the ultimate freedom. And this is really key. What if they're even better if I made that decision? What if they have more growth potential if I leave? And I think that's really, really key because I, if you listen to a podcast and somebody says, I sold, but I sold because it was plummeting, you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't be mentored by that person. Don't, like, I didn't sell because it was plummeting. I didn't sell because I hated it. I didn't sell because I was like, I'm out of here. One other thing I want to quickly say it's very likely that you get an offer in the next five to 10 years for your clinic, but it could be a bank. Do not sell your clinic to a bank ever. We did around this time also get an offer. It was a hedge fund, this owner of a hedge fund. He booked a meeting. He's like, hey, I want to buy your clinic. I'll give you more money than this psychiatrist. But he didn't know anything about mental health. He would have burned that thing to the ground. Like he knew nothing. It was money. Like in his head, he knows the mental health industry is booming, guys. You're going to get an offer. These people want to come in, all those big conglomerates, and they do not care about your team and they do not care about quality care. Do not sell to them. The only reason I sold, and I'll walk you through more of that in a second, was because it was specifically to a really amazing psychiatrist. He was a healthcare professional. I would not have sold to anyone else. And I had a person who was close to me who had gone through the process and I saw it from beginning to end and it was thriving. I don't think if my friend didn't go through that, I don't think I would have made that big decision because he's a stranger to me, but because he was amazing and he had many, many clinics and they were all thriving and all happy, then I was like, okay, wait, maybe it's not a no. Let's talk about the no for a second. I brought it up to my accountant and she's, first of all, she was really surprised. She's like, what? Oh, I'm so surprised you're asking me this. No, Nicole. So picture the stock market. When the line is going up, that's not when you sell. So she said, Nicole, hold on to it. Can you hold on at least for like another year or two years? You might actually be able to sell it for double. So I was like, yeah, that's a good point. I brought it up to my husband. Then I talked to my other accountant. I have two. And he said, it was interesting. He does mergers and acquisitions. And he said, I think this might just be a lifetime opportunity. I'll tell you something, Nicole. There's many mergers and acquisitions that happened before COVID. They were in the middle of happening and then COVID happened and they didn't. Like this person thought I'm selling my business and then we hit a pandemic and they did not sell. So if you have an offer and you you say, no, come back in a year when it's more grown, and I could sell it to you for more, you might lose out. You don't know for sure if they'll have the cash, if they're going to buy 10 other clinics between now and then. So that's what made me really ponder. I was like, oh my gosh, I really do feel this is a once in a lifetime offer. Do I not take it? And I just, in my gut, I think in the end, these are gut decisions. I was like, nope, I I don't know what the heck I'm going to do after I sell this group practice, but I'm going to sell guess what? I just released hot off the press, a brand new free masterclass just for you. It's called from solo to super team, how to build a seven figure group practice where I walk you through the four simple must have shifts to get you started quickly and correctly. The link to register is in the show notes. See you there.
I'm going to tell you a little bit about the steps of what happened. So what happened? So first, by the time I said, okay, I'm open to it, from then to the time I actually sold was about one year. So these things take time. I had to sign a non-compete, by the way. So what happens when you sell? Of course, everything might be slightly different depending on circumstance, but I had to sign a two-year non-compete because I'm a threat, of course. Like They don't want me to open up a group practice with my name and brand again, of course, because then I'd be competing against them. But I was actually ready. And this is what I teach you in my program. I had stopped seeing clients because when you have a group practice of 55 therapists, you really can't be seeing clients. You need to lean in and grow that CEO role. And I was not supervising anymore either. So it was okay. I was like, yep, I can sign a non-compete and say that I won't do therapy. That's fine with me. It's only a two-year, but I was happy to to not do that. It felt it would be weird to me to start seeing clients again. So I was okay. I was ready for that. The only thing is... I'm going to circle back to the details in a second, but I want to just go to the end for a sec. So picture this, the sale goes through, the sale goes through. I'll never forget this day. I was driving to my cottage. I got the text that money was in the bank and that was basically the text. Like, did it actually happen? And I felt three most beautiful life-changing emotions. One was pride like this. And I just, I want you to feel this too, but I'm going to show you how to do it. Like, I just felt my whole body vibrating with this pride that I had created this tangible asset that could now truly change my whole life, but even my kids' lives, even my kids' kids' lives. You know what I mean? Like that kind of decision changes everything. I also felt relief, even though it was something I loved. It's interesting. It was just like, I don't know. I really just felt relief like, oh my gosh this happened. This actually went through this like pure sense of relief. And then the last emotion that I felt was happiness. And I truly cried because <laughs> I'm an emotional person. I like cried all the way to my cottage. It was really cute. Okay. So then I'm sitting now at the cottage and I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do with my life? Do I just sit at my cottage for the rest of my, <laughs> the rest of my life? That may sound like a dream, but if you know my personality and you're ambitious too, that's not what I wanted to do. And that's when it hit me to create this podcast, to create specifically my Clinic Growth Mag program, where it hit me where I was like, wait, what if I teach other therapists how to do this? They don't have to sell, but I'll teach them how to build a self-operating group practice that somebody wants to buy. I want to help you have a group practice that somebody wants to buy. You don't have to sell it, but doesn't it feel great that you get to say, I know I can sell this, to have that exit strategy. Now, I want to get into the nitty-gritty about actually how it all happens. You probably don't know this because I did not. How they calculate, and I can only give you so much info because I signed a non-disclosure agreement, so I can't share like what I sold for, but how they calculate how to actually purchase a clinic is called a calculation called an EBITDA, okay? E-B-I-D-A. And it stands for, it's a really accounting term, but don't worry if you don't understand it, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. So it's earnings, so the money that comes in before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. It is not revenue. Please hear that. Some people told me, there's a lot of 
people will tell you all sorts of things, only listen to the lawyers. Some people were like, oh, Nicole, I think you can probably sell it. Let's say you're making $2 million in your clinic and then you times that by two and then you can sell it for that much or times it by a certain amount. In some businesses, that is absolutely true, not in the therapy industry. They use the EBITDA. The EBITDA is basically profit. So what the buyer is going to do is say, what is your profit annually? The only way you're going to know this and what I want you to start doing now is to have really clean books because for six months, they looked at our books where they wanted to know what is your profit per month. So let's say your profit easy numbers per month is a hundred or let's just say easy numbers, $10,000 a month profit. That's a bit too low. Don't, don't sell at that level, but easy numbers. And so that means times 12, that means that the annual profit is 120,000. Okay. Now the EBITDA is usually they'll purchase your clinic based on, it's called a multiplier. So they'll take your profit, $120,000 annually, and then they'll buy it based on a multiplier. So they'll take that and times it by three, times it by four. So you want lots of profit, of course, 100,000, 200,000. And then that's going to be a huge amount that you can sell for. But that's that's what they buy it for. And the first place, they look at two things. One, they look at your books. They want to know, what are you spending your money on? What's actually bringing in the clients? Two, they want to know, is this a self-operating clinic? Because if it's not systemized, which is why I help you systemize in my program, I just give you my exact processes that I did because I know they work, then they know I can buy this and it's going to continue to run and not implode. So of course, they want something that is self-operating and running. And three, they want to make sure, which means you need to make sure your therapists are happy. Because if if right away culture is not good, of course, they're not going to buy a sinking ship. Those are the three things you want to focus on. Make sure your books are in order. I love QuickBooks Online. I'll put that in the show notes get a really good accountant, track everything so somebody can look at the books, make sure the profit is correct. You want to systemize. And systemization, I suggest to do, even if you don't ever sell, you want a practice that doesn't need you constantly asking you all these questions all the time. That's like burnout city. So you definitely want to do that. And three, make sure your therapists are happy. And I know that you're working on all these three things because you're following me and you're listening to this podcast. So that's great. I will tell you, I know my practice was big, but I I want you to know that some of these buyers actually like to buy smaller practices. We were the largest practice that they ever bought, but they prefer much smaller. And in the end, buyers want a clinic that isn't going through. I mean, of course, it's growing. There's massive growth potential. But even though it's not rapidly growing, that's fine. They want to buy something. Sometimes they buy it when it's half dying. If you think about it, they want to come in, they know how to fix it up and and make more money from it. So no, you don't have to be big. You don't have to be exploding in growth. That's really key. If you're thinking, oh my gosh, I really see this for me, but maybe step one for you is just to have it be more systemized. Or maybe step one for you is to just have it grow more so it doesn't need you anymore. 
I suggest you book a practice growth audit. I have a practice growth audit. It's a free 30-minute session with one of my advisors who have been trained by me. They're going to objectively look at your goals, the roadblocks, like what's going on, give you suggestions, and let you know if we might be able to help. The link for that is in the show notes. I hope you guys learned lots today and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Business Savvy Therapist podcast. I hope this episode was helpful. I would be so grateful if you would share this with a peer or colleague that is wanting to help more people make more money and have more freedom. Make sure to subscribe so you do not miss any new episodes and please do leave me a review. It would mean the world to me. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you in the next one.